2: 205 DGS. It's funny how I, at least, we talk about downtown St. Louis like it's escape from New York or something. <laughs> and I don't even mean, like, how bad it is. I just mean, like, no one's ever been here but us. Uh, do you remember it a couple years ago when all of those enormous black birds were dead in the parks? Yes. Uh, crows, ravens, mm-hmm. something different. I don't know. They're the biggest birds I've ever seen, other than, like, a turkey buzzard. These things had to go, what, Five pounds. More than that? Uh, I I found where they live alive uh, by Haristow College up that way. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh, Up by Slough and Haristow? Yeah, there's a baseball field there for someone, Mm -hmm. and they live in the the lot right next to it, Mm. and there have to be 500 of these things. And they're all the size of a football. It's a little disconcerting,
3: and those are good. Those are good omens traditionally, right? Oh yes, <laughs> enormous blackbirds. Yes, yes. filling your Haiti. spaces.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stairway to Kevin.
4: Sure. Um, where do you want to go? There's a bunch of different ways we can go with, like whether we want to. Uh, let's just. Do, there are a couple TV things I want to do. Let's just kind of combine them. Um, how did that hit you guys? What I what I texted you guys or sent via text from Twitter last night about the Sopranos. So right now today, we are as far removed from The Sopranos as that show was from Happy Days.
2: I don't like it. I don't like any of those things. I hate that so
4: much. How's that even possible, though?
2: I know.
5: I, I wish they would use a different example because the Happy Days thing, it makes your brain go back even to further the because it was a period. Yeah. Race, right, right, you know? right, right. So I, point. I'm not sure exactly. Did it come out in the 70s? Yeah,
4: I, I'm not sure. I think it's just the gap. I don't think it's from the beginning of Happy Days. I think it's okay. from maybe the end of that to the start of Sopranos is... To the end of Sopranos to now. Yeah, Yeah, I
5: saw that the Sopranos, on HBO, they're like, it's the 25th anniversary edition. And I'm like, well, what's different about it? I don't think there is anything different. Let me
2: make a confession. Um, No one in the world was more obsessed with Happy Days than me. Really? Really. Yeah. To the point. I had two starring roles on that show. 'Cause he's ginger. Richie I
4: Cunningham I, actually I'm Ralph Mouth, let's be honest. Oh, I forgot about Ralph. Yeah.
2: <laughs> to the point because you know I'm always I've always been in search of pretending to be someone else Mm. so for about a whole summer i pretended to be fonzie of course like yeah i was we could figure out how old i was it's probably older than i want to admit to (laughs) (laughs) but that whole summer isn't that i mean that's so i just like i can feel my liver right now like it was just so terrible when you say pretend to be
5: fonzie like what do you mean why are you doing this? To me? I
2: mean, to I You roll up you the gotta sleeves
6: on know. your white t shirt.
2: <laughs> it's me, David Fonzarelli.
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> as
2: bad as you can Ramjet imagine. Ramjet Jet Fonzarelli. you know what I did with the monkey mask? <laughs> yes, I unfortunately, I do. <laughs> so you had the leather
4: coat, the jeans, the white t shirt. No, 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 t-shirt. no. no, no. Oh, you were I, doing I was, that in was, the leather coat. Okay. No,
2: I was more, <laughs> more um, method acting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. I get you, get you. yourself in the zone. You just never broke yeah. character.
4: Yeah. yeah. Did you like punch jukeboxes?
2: I did it again. In sixth grade, I... Why do I say these things? (laughs) Let it all out, Dave. In sixth grade... This is the kind of thing I wouldn't even say in therapy. Because he would say, like, I can't see you anymore. Uh, In sixth grade, I got enamored with Welcome Back, Cotter. All right. Now, there there were many characters i could have Great emulated ones. yeah you oh, know no. john travolta was like the modern day fonzarelli yeah. uh-huh. i set my sights on Horseshack, yeah and i've always been able to do impressions and i could do a pretty good horse shack back then i can't even hear it in my head now but i leaned into that where i pretty much just adopted that as a persona for maybe a year all right that's okay no yeah. it's not rage <laughs> but you were you were uh, you were a kid true like maybe
4: what 11 12 maybe yeah. 17 <laughs> <laughs> you're still a
2: kid I love what that wheels a... and I're like it's not your fault dave <laughs> although, I mean I, I'll in my defense uh although I took a circuitous route you look at my life I I have been performing my entire life yeah when I was little like they would bring me out to do my little 2 Stand up jokes like at barbecues, <laughs> and then when I did the impressions in first grade, and like I have always been that sort of character. What sort of a young man was uh, Horse Shack?
3: Dork,
4: yeah, loser. but also, yeah, like oh. a weirdo. weirdo. Like, he's kind of a weirdo. I mean, like, his big everybody knows him from like trying to raise his hand in class. He's like, Oh, oh,
3: oh, oh, yeah. oh was oh. it the attainability that you last you were like, this is believable. He was funny. Okay. He, yeah, yeah, he, he was. was like
2: he was like the the Kramer. He was the comic like the, 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 comic the funniest release. guy on the show. Yeah, okay. they
4: were all funny in their own way, but he was the funny guy of the cast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Okay. Now I'm going to need your cringe moments, mm. Rachel. You go first. <laughs> I oh, mean, yeah. I have so many. Well, we've got three and a half hours.
5: I mean, There's I've shared no. most of them: the culottes, the bloomers, the Little House uh, on the Prairie. Little, yeah, putting on my. Uh, period of time, the period of time appropriate dress and reading little house on the prairie man if
2: you and i had been the same age we were like friends. siblings because i had a box full of hats oh nice and i would keep it next to me watching tv and i would just change hats with every show yeah i had police hats fireman hats i had a davy crockett hat i must have had a couple dozen hats and it wasn't even a thing. I would just, like, not even look like, at just reach into the box, pull out my Gilligan hat, here we go. Oh, I have a
5: good cringe moment. This is when I was really little, though. Um, it was the Summer Olympics, and it was the first time I remember being aware of gymnastics and i just immediately became obsessed especially with the balance beam and i just thought that i could do it so what i did is i had this fisher price uh toy box and it was plastic and i took the top off of it you could take the cover off and i put it and it was like two feet wide i mean (laughs) but i was like this is my balance beam and i would just put it in front of the tv and just like (laughs) hands up (laughs) in the air like pretend to do a flip
2: i need to (laughs) educate you that's cute that's it's a not little cringe. Cring. It's a little no, cringe. no, it's cute. Even if I'd have done that, I'd have been like, "Look at this cute thing I did." Yeah. <laughs> Pretending to be Arnold Horshack for a year—that's cringe. <laughs> yeah, we also got anything.
4: I mean, the closest thing I could think of was probably—I don't remember exactly when it would have been, either eighth or ninth grade, somewhere in there. I just wanted to dress like the Miami Vice guys. Like, that was the closest thing. Okay. Like I want—I mean, I couldn't grow the five o'clock shadow like Don Johnson. I would have if I could have. Back then, that's about, the, but you know what, my, my life was imitating athletes, though. Mm-hmm. I was always imitating a baseball player, a football player, something in some way, not, not like in class. I wasn't like pretending to be Reggie Jackson in class or whatever, but I mean, that would be where I was imitating the people I thought were cool.
3: Andrew? There is uh, far too many for me to count. I'm thinking. Uh, I'm thinking about the ones that made it to the public, right? Because <laughs> behind the scenes, yeah, is just we don't need a, to hear those. <laughs> yeah, it's just a disaster. Um, but I think about. So my brother went through a bit of a cowboy phase, which was like his cringe moment. Mm. But I went through a bit of a phase imitating him going through a cowboy <laughs> phase. Okay. So it was basically just uh just going through a cowboy phase in like hand-me-down clothes that didn't fit you. Yeah. Cuz he's like 4 inches taller than I am.
4: I think my parents might have saved me from one.
3: I probably I probably
4: no, I probably would have I probably would have looked like the the hair metal band guys back then if they would have let me grow my hair like that. Let me tell you. I what, probably would have looked like that.
3: I looked pretty good in the hat and the cowboy shirt and how, all that. How old were you? Uh, let's see, probably 14 or 15. Eh, it's a little old to be a cowboy.
2: Yeah. It is. Well, he, hey, his was worse.
3: He was like 18. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
5: Were your parents just like, why are you both pretending to be cowboys? <laughs> yeah,
3: they must have been so proud at that stage. <laughs> they were a little confused, I think, because there was, we had never really shown any interest in any kind of uh, clothing, mm-hmm. but yet suddenly my brother had discovered this uh, cowboy supply store in Alton. <laughs> <laughs> which
4: is which is hundred percent real. I will say like that, the the Miami Vice thing was the first time I ever thought of anything with clothes or fashion, and even gave a crap. Like Did you get a all fake my childhood, I just didn't <laughs> care. No, I like I well, I had the sunglasses, I had the white coat over the pink T shirt thing, and oh yeah, the pants and Love the sh- you know yet wear the 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 what do you call it the what kind of shoes were they wearing the ones but no socks like loafers with no loafers, socks like the whole deal shoes. yeah yeah.
2: One of the things that marked my cringe life was that I was so absolutely sure of it, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, in sixth, seventh grade, uh, when people see my stand-up know this full story, but when my best friend Stacy had, I don't even know, this. this sound, it didn't even sound like a thing, but they were... Blue and white leather saddle shoes. I call them cheerleader shoes, but they also had a tap in them and a heel, and I just needed them on my feet, and so she's like crazy. So I wore those forever uh, with like bell bottoms. And then I was real into nunchucks. And I decided I was going to wear my uh, Planet of the Apes mask all the time. And I remember being in love with the paper girl and uh, she would I knew what time she would she would ride her bike by. And so I would go stand in the front yard in my girl tap cheerleader shoes, nunchucking in a monkey <laughs> mask. <laughs> And she would just ride faster. And I just remember thinking, like, what's it take to please women? I don't understand how you're She's not it. just
4: She's into it. pulling over here. I do remember in college, when I first started with the the college baseball team, I did a lot of fake it till you make it kind of stuff for a while there with the team. Like, being around people that were so much better than me, and I wasn't around that when I was in high school. Like, I thought we were good, and like I was good, and then I get to college, I'm like, oh, crap, these guys are all really So you kind of, like... Try to, I don't want to say imitate, but you try to pick up some of the mannerisms and mm. the words that they use and all of that. And then after a while, that it becomes normal because you're always around it. Does that make sense? I wonder
2: when you stop that, like a normal person. I don't know. Because I did that when I started my radio career. I didn't know who I was or what my yeah, voice was. Yeah, yeah. And so you do a bad impression of a couple of people. And then eventually, if you're lucky and you get to stick around enough, you go, oh, I think this is actually my voice. But, you know, let's say I retire and move out to Colorado And around a bunch of retired people in Colorado, and they go hiking and whitewater rafting. Well, probably fake that. Yeah, you know.
4: But I think that's normal though, right? Like the fake it till you figure it out kind of thing. I think we all have to do that. They could be
2: swingers. I mean, anything can happen. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Dave jumps into a nudist swingers colony. And they just go naked hiking. <laughs> Could be worse.
2: But wearing boots. <laughs> Could, be <worse. laughs> Could be worse. Dave's like, yeah, I've been doing this for years. <laughs> have you met Dave yet? No. How would I know him? Uh, monkey mask guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
4: Those Dave. Those are all saying, "A." Sure, oh, sure. Dave, Dave yeah. Fonsarelli. Oh, you should have
2: said so. <laughs> I bring back everyone I've Dave ever done. Dave Fonsarelli. <laughs> 222 DGS. Much better. I guess we're probably in the 30s here. Um I hesitate hesitate to even bring this up, Wheels, because I think you're just going to look at me like I'm so stupid. But I keep seeing more and more and more and more and more stuff on it. So people are obviously talking about it. People are so upset about the NFL. We know it's such a big deal. 97 of the top 100 shows were NFL games. People are so into it. Gambling, you know, Mm. uh, all the different apps where you can gamble. People are more invested than ever. And I keep hearing all of these allegations of games being rigged.
4: Yeah, they're not. You can say anything you want about incompetence with the officiating. Um, and they—they they are, there are lots of referees, judges. There are a lot of NFL officials that should not be NFL officials. They're not good at their jobs. Um, but, I mean, I, I ask people the same thing all the time when they bring that stuff up. Would you risk going to prison? Because you get caught rigging games. You're going to prison. It's fraud. And we're talking about multi-billion dollar fraud. The league is worth 8 the league made 18 billion dollars last year. They're going to be 20 billion plus this year. That's not counting the money that's made off the league by gambling companies, by bookies, by TV networks because if the TV networks are giving them billions, what do you think the TV 10, networks are making, right. right? Why there's no way the league would risk that exposure when they already have so much control, right? Like, would you? No.
2: Let me ask you this then. Forget rigged. To what extent do you think referees, baseball, basketball, football, tailor their calls either to, well, that's Michael Jordan. I doubt he traveled. Or I got it wrong that last inning. I'm going to give one back.
4: Yeah. Those are, to me, they're two separate things, right? One, I would. I don't know. I've, I've met a lot of officials over the years, all sports, doesn't matter which ones. I mean, every professional in college sport, I have met and known people that have officiated those sports. They do not intentionally say, I'm going to give the call to Jordan, but we all have inherent biases. Like everybody has a set of expectations. So when you're watching, like I've joked about it. I was on Twitter the other night. I was mad about a couple of calls that screwed over the Lions in the first half of the game. And I said the Lions always get this. But part of the reason they always have gotten that is they've always been bad. And there there are natural human tendencies to have an expectation of a player or a team. It's not good, but we're human. We can't avoid it. We have biases. The idea is you don't want to have conscious biases. You don't want to say, I'm going to get this team or I'm going to help this team. I don't think they do that. But you'll see it in baseball just as an example. Albert Pujols did not have the same strike zone as a rookie because there's a the umpire calling balls and strikes. If he has any doubt, might go, dang, he's got a pretty good eye. He didn't go for it, so maybe I should go that. Like, again, I don't think it's a thought process, though. I think it just becomes an expectation. So that clearly happens. The other thing is makeup calls. That happens also, and it's stupid. You don't say, I screwed one up. So now I'm going to make another intentional mistake to try to fix it. I think that very clearly happens. I don't think it should, and I'm not sure how conscious it is. I don't know if it falls in line with what I'm talking about with that with that su- kind of subconscious bias that creeps in where, you know, you know you messed up a call and then later on some part of your brain wants to make up for it. I don't know if it's that or if or if it's just an overt man, I blew it, I better even the score. But I'm pretty sure there's a conscious effort for that to happen. And every hockey fan is listening to me going, yeah, that happens all the time. Um, And it certainly happens. It looks like it happens all the time in all kinds of sports. So when you'll see a terrible call and then not long later on, a terrible call goes the other direction that kind of evens it up. I do think that it happens. I do think that there are conscious decisions to, quote, level the, the playing field. I don't think that's as common as the unconscious bias that exists on every call. Like, if a a left tackle is a Hall of Famer or a Pro Bowler or he's viewed as the best, he's less likely to get the marginal holding call called against him as opposed to a rookie.
2: Uh, Only about a minute left, but I've never asked someone this. So I watched a lot more baseball last year than I have for 20 years before that. And I noticed... a lot of really bad ball and strike calls when that happens. Do you think it's sort of like when a player gets the yips because there's no way they could think something eight inches outside and almost in the dirt was a strike?
4: No, there some umpires are worse than others. I think there's a handful of umpires. Angel Hernandez right at the top of the list that are so mind-blowingly bad at things like that, that you think it's more big, a more of a thing than it really is. I the the, the the analytics that we have, the way that they can analyze balls and strikes using video and using computer technology, they're, they are generally incredibly accurate, like 97% accurate, which is insane when you think about making yeah. that call in two or three-tenths of a second. Yeah. But the bad ones, like those ones, where like fastball right down the middle, ball, you're like, how is that a ball? Like, how do you... It's it's just got to be a brain fart. It's got to be your brain clocked out for a split second, and then you just guessed.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.
1: 36
2: DGS on camo X. So, uh, we're the COVID generation. All of this will always share this for the rest of our life. We have all been affected in different ways. Uh, I had it once uh, a year ago, May, and it was pretty bad. Uh, it wasn't the, the, the bronchial thing. It was just the fever and the exhaustion and just the weird feeling. Uh, and, uh, it kind of doubled my salt sensitivity, which I I was already uh, sensitive to salt, but now pretty much anything from a restaurant that's seasoned at all tastes like they just dump salt on it. Mm. A lot of people out there have way worse things. Um, During COVID, one of the only nice things that happened is we met Dr. Tiffany Osborne, who kind of went viral. Uh, She was living in a camper so that she wouldn't make her family sick. And so I'm like, oh, that's an interesting story. Let's let's get this lady on. Turns out she's really cool, and uh, we just kind of hit it off, fell in love with her. So she did tons of hits with us during COVID. Uh, She is with Washington University and their uh, medical center, and she joins us now. Uh, Doc, nice to talk to you again.
6: Great to talk to you, and thank you. You were very generous. I appreciate that.
2: No, you're a a huge help. Uh, So... Gosh, I love you, but I don't want to have you on because I'm always afraid you're going to give me bad news. Uh, w- I keep hearing things about you know increased infections and lower vaccination rates, and I'm going to be- I'm going to come clean. I have not been boosted for about a year. I didn't get my flu vaccine. I always get vaccinated. I don't have any excuses. I just need to do it, but I have not. So I'm one of those people. Uh, and then I'm hearing about the 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 trifecta of the outbreaks and some x. Ex- disease so you take it wherever you want to go and tell all my people what they need to know
6: okay so first of all let me tell you what we're seeing a lot of right now we're seeing a lot of respiratory viruses and we're we're seeing it across the country but we're i'm seeing it personally when i'm working in the emergency department when i'm working in the intensive care unit we're seeing a lot of respiratory viruses such as influenza covid19 rsv the other thing that we're seeing a lot of is hypothermia. And then the third thing is some synthetic drug use, which I can talk about later. But let's just look sort of where we are nationally. And, you know, that basically it's hard to look at positive rates of anything because so little is hard numbers that are reported. So the things that I look at generally are I try to find out about ED visits. I try to find out about hospitalizations. I try to find out specifically about wastewater because those are things that uh, don't require um, participation or cooperation with local state governments in order to get. So when we're looking across the country, ED visits have been increasing. So if we look at November, 5% 5% around November 25th, 5% of all the ED visits were respiratory viruses. Now that's doubled up to 10% the last time I saw, which was the last numbers we have really, are the end of December. When you look nationally at wastewater viral activity, that's also high. And if we look, it's tripled since November 18th. So around November 18th, it was 5%, and then it increased to eight in December, you know, like the beginning of December, and then it increased to like 15 to 18 now. Now, the important piece of this, and this is what you were alluding to before, is that any of these can result in severe disease. COVID, flu, and RSV can all equate to getting severe disease and you can get more than one at a time. This is especially important among unvaccinated people, Dave. Uh. But infants, <laughs> infants, older adults, pregnant people, and people with underlying medical conditions that might put them at higher risk, this, you're really at risk for getting severe disease. Huh. Infants and older people remain at the highest risk, especially for RSV, and it's the leading cause of infant hospitalization in the United States. Now I know you've probably heard some discussion that hey, this the levels are going down; they're all decreasing now. Um, those decreases we're talking about are like one percent per hundred thousand people. That's the decrease. And I don't know what I want to say. Yeah, it's finally going down, but I don't know what to make of that yet because people. You know, we're just getting out of the holidays, and people don't go to the doctor. Doctors offices aren't open. People don't want to go into the hospital. They want to be, you know, home with their families or whatever. So they avoid hospitalizations. So I'm really not sure what to make out of that yet. I wouldn't read too much into it. I will tell you, through December, hospitalizations increased. So among all age groups, hospitalizations increased. It was about an increase of around 200% for flu, mm. around 50% for COVID, and around 60% for RSV, and emergency department visits for kids having pneumonia due a number of reasons were increasing since September. And the CDC has been receiving more reports of this MISC. You remember that's that rare complication that typically occurs about one month after kids get you know, COVID. So the number one thing that I would really hit home with is vaccination, vaccination, vaccination. So vaccination for influenza, COVID, and if you qualify RSV, reduces the risk, not of getting sick, but of getting severely sick. And this includes pneumonia, hospitalizations, death. Vaccination for COVID can also reduce the risk of kids getting MISC. And also reduces the risk of the post-COVID conditions. And we don't have any medications yet Mm -hmm. that will do that. So if you get sick and we give you these medicines, they don't reduce the long-term risks. They just reduce the risk of you continuing to develop severe disease.
2: So, Doc, let me ask you this. COVID, uh, let's set COVID aside because that's obviously a a different thing. But... My gut feels like the flu and RSV and things like this, that we uh, are, it's worse than it's been in the past. Uh, at least we're talking about it more than it, it, than we have in the past. It feels like in 2024 with, you know, helicopters on Mars and all this stuff that we should be healthier than we've ever been. It doesn't feel that way. A- am mm-hmm. I wrong or is is that uh, true?
6: Um. So when you look at where we were last year, we're up about 5% from the numbers where we were at if we look at this time last year. So 5% of people, when you're talking about millions of people, is a lot of people. But it's not like it's a 50% increase from last year, if that makes sense.
2: That makes sense. You guys have any questions? No? All good? So oh, far, yeah. yeah. I've got one for you, uh, okay. Doc. We went to lunch today, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> about ninety percent the way through, Andrew eating his pork clay pot, he found out that uh, it wasn't a giant noodle at the bottom. It was either a dish rag or a napkin. Uh, any chance of him actually being sick?
6: Well, just getting sick from the disgusting thought of that, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends on what the nap- what the napkin had on it. You know, if they were wiping off tables where somebody was sick and coughing on it, maybe. If it was like a hot rag that they were rinsing off and just threw it in for some reason, maybe less so. So that's all context dependent. Well, so, I'm taking the yeah, rest of the just, month off. Can, <laughs> I <tell you> about, <laughs> can I tell you about two more things? Yeah. One was you when we're talking about vaccines. You are right that fewer people are getting vaccinated, so it's definitely down for everybody with COVID. I think only 7% of people under the age of 18 have gotten the updated COVID vaccine, and only about 17% of people under 65 have gotten the COVID vaccine, and only 10% of pregnant people. There are about 7.5 million fewer influenza vaccines compared to last year, And for RSV, only about 16% of eligible adults over the age of 60 have gotten it. And pregnant people, listen, the best thing you can do to keep your kids, your infants from getting sick is to be vaccinated between 32 and 36 weeks. This is requested, you know, or is part of the guidelines for OBGYN, you know, to get vaccinated at that 32 to 36 week mark. And then the other, yeah, yep. the other thing I was just going to quickly tell you that I that that people should probably be aware of. You mentioned disease X, and Andrew actually asked me about that. Whenever I called, mm-hmm. that's not a real disease. It's just a placeholder for like mysterious illnesses that mm-hmm. they think need to be investigated. So the World Health Organization like holds it like a placeholder. So like SARS was one of those. Ebola was one of those um so that's not a a huge thing but okay. the other thing to tell you that we do have here that I've seen a little bit of recently has been this thing called Neptune's Fix it's um tianopine. you can get it in like gas stations and smoke shops and it's marketed like um to help with anxiety hmm. um it mimics opioids And some people have tried to use it for pain, like they've sold it in these shops to help with pain. But if you take too much of it, it does actually act like an opioid. It can also be addictive. And there have been deaths associated with it. I saw a couple people who were really sick uh, about a month ago associated with this. So I just want to put that out there. Just because it says it's a supplement doesn't mean that it's not particularly dangerous.
2: Okay, very good. Uh, It's Dr. Tiffany Osborne with Washington University. Thank you, Doc. We appreciate it.
6: It's so great to talk to you. Thanks for inviting me.
2: You're welcome. 253 DGS, we have Brad Young coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, Brad's an attorney. He does lots of stuff on KMOX. Really good guy. Very, very good at what he does. And he'll be updating us on all things legal, specifically what's going on uh, with Donald Trump today. He's in court again at the E. Jean Carroll portion of the trial where they are assessing damages and evidently the judge already threatened to throw him out if he didn't stay quiet. So that'll be interesting. Uh, Rachel's special retirement at McDonald's?
5: Yeah, this woman worked at McDonald's for 45 years and she's retiring. So they're having a special celebration for her. I just think that's great. I mean, to be 45 years in any job, you should be recognized. But Fox News picked up this story. She's 84 years old and she's retiring after 45 years. They're saying she's getting a well-deserved break from her, her job at McDonald's. She began working there in 1978. Her name is Dot Sharp. And she took her last order from her granddaughter, Aww. who is a fellow co-worker Aww. at the McDonald's. Yeah, that was sweet. pretty cute. And uh, I'm going to, like, start crying. This is so cute. Uh, in a line that reportedly wrapped around the building, her regular customers got in line at the drive-thru to wish her well on her last day. She says the best part of her job has always been the people. So cool.
2: Are you over there crying too, Dave? <laughs> no, Andrew looks like he's got something to say. You know, Uh-oh. I got to ask.
3: <laughs> is, it, yeah? uh, is it cute or is it a little bit? Grim. How that so? She's 84 and probably didn't make enough money at the drive-thru to retire. And so that's why she's been working until she's 84.
5: Good, good question, Andrew. She, she said that the owners of that McDonald's have always been great to her. She was a single mom when she started working there and they gave her the flexibility she needed to earn a living and take care of her kids. Okay. Love it. All right.
4: Yeah. I, I don't want to assume, even though it seems like it would be a logical assumption. You know that somebody that worked in fast food for that long wouldn't have a huge retirement thing built up. I don't want to assume that necessarily. Yeah, I mean, my dad is retired, but he works. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't want to sit around. So maybe mm-hmm. it's something like that. Sounds yeah. like she liked it.
5: Yeah, it, it seems like yeah. it was a very pleasant experience for her. And you know, where was it? Uh, that's a good question. I'm sure um, I just said
2: if it's it. A it was a small town thing mind. where everybody you know everybody and yeah, everybody knows wasn't you, in like a big We're going to try and get her on the show.
5: Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice, yeah. yeah. Dot, so I would love to talk to her. Dot Sharp, 84 years old. Finally gets to rest and retire.
2: Speaking of old people, Chuck uh, Grassley's 90. Oh, goodness. <laughs> he's in the hospital.
4: Yeah, I was going to say. he's just not throwing
2: shade at the guy. I'm just saying that if it's a story, if it's a national story that you're retiring from the McDonald's drive through at 84, maybe 90 is a little old to be in the Senate. Yeah.
4: You think it means anything about running for
2: president at 81, 2?